From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Welcome everybody to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host for today with my friend and colleague, Mark Zabicki. Mark, how are you today? Doing well, Jeff. Fresh off of focus. Uh, more than glad to be with you. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining. I uh, I promised a couple weeks ago when we did the last podcast that we would be rotating in different folks. So, um, so Mark, it is your turn. You are on the hot seat. Uh, so here's what we've got for you today. I mean, what a week last week was. Uh, interesting timing for us to have our national conference because it was just so much going on. Uh, you had the Fed meeting where, of course, they raised rates again, uh, 75 basis points. You had the GDP report, which really had more meaning, I think, than your typical uh, GD report because it did uh, make for a second consecutive quarter of negative GDP, which a lot of people think is a recession. That's kind of the back of the envelope way to do it, but um, we actually would not call it an official recession just yet. We'll explain why here in a little bit. And then lastly, uh, a huge flurry of earnings. We had over 170 S&P 500 companies report, so we'll try to pull out some themes from that. I mean, I guess the bottom line here uh, is the market took all this in and really liked it, Mark. I mean, we, uh, I'm showing a chart of the S&P 500 now. Um, you know, we're, we're well off the lows here, sort of double digit bounce. Um, and um, we got about 4% last week. We had a similarly strong week the week before that. Uh, so maybe the question for you is, is, is this rally gone too far? Is this still a bear market rally that needs to roll over here a little bit and take a breather? Well, actually, um, and that is a $64,000 question, Jeff. I mean, I think we as a strategic and tactical asset allocation committee at LPL Research are still trying to dig into that that very thing. I mean, I, I think we called it correctly when we raised uh, our equity allocation across the models that we manage and raised our view on equities at the start of July, um, that has served us well. And, and, the, and the impetus for that was effectively a little bit of what uh, Chairman Powell gave us uh, last week, meaning that maybe the Federal Reserve is gonna be uh, a little bit less dovish than maybe the market had priced in over the last two or three months, call it, that was one. Uh, and then we've also singled out the, the effect that you typically get in July, at least historically, uh, where the market you know typically bounces back during the course of that month, and we've seen that. Um, and those are the those are the things that we had been part of our focus anyway in raising our equity allocation in in July, and we're still trying to figure out. We'll talk a little bit about it whether that's going to continue or not. Um, right now, we're not getting great signs that it will, but you know, we're still uh, looking at things technically as they develop. Yeah, you you are a uh, a technician of sorts, so I know you have some. Uh, some technical indicators you want to look at. I mean, I get, this is a really strong balance. I mean, July, we were up 9% on the S&P 500. That was the biggest gain in July for that index in over 80 years. The biggest July in over 80 years. It was the best month since November of 2020. So really powerful bounce off the lows. And, you know, there are a number of reasons for it. One certainly was the fact that 
so many were bearish, right? We saw sur investor surveys continue to point to an extreme level of bearishness that you typically only see at major lows, like 2001, 2008 type, 2020 type lows. Uh, so that was certainly one thing. And then you had the market get a little more comfortable with the Fed and the inflation outlook too. Uh, so that led to this bounce. So, so Mark, are these technical indicators telling us anything about this bounce and whether it it sticks? We've got, um, I think we got three slides here on uh, some technical indicators that maybe some folks listening are not familiar with. Yeah, sure. And just a couple things that you know we as a group uh, kind of pay attention to. Um, and I, I've historically been a, a MACD follower, so the bottom part of this slide is is really the daily. MACD, and then I also just as a as a, almost a, a a staple of of technical analysis, pay attention to moving average crossovers, which the upper panel shows uh, the ten day, the twenty day, and the fifty day, and and as you get crossovers in succession, ten over the twenty, twenty over the fifty, et cetera, et cetera, you typically get a little bit more confidence that the rally is. Sticking. So we're we're seeing the 10 over the 20 day, which is a good sign, the 20 over the 50 day, which is still not crossed yet, but developing. And obviously the MACD turned positive in, in late June, which again gave us some semblance of uh, confidence that that we had gotten a little bit oversold, you know, through the through the spring months and we were ready to bounce in, in the month of July. And, and that has in fact happened. Yeah, we were about as oversold as it gets, and um, certainly makes sense that we would get this this kind of bounce. So yeah, the MACD is the moving average convergence divergence uh, indicator. Um, actually, I think Jim Cramer from CNBC is a fan. So some of you may have heard uh, of this indicator before that aren't watching closely. Um, some folks refer to these as oscillators. Uh, it's basically a measure of momentum and. Uh, you know, certainly in July, we we got a lot of that, Mark. Yeah, and and again, you're you're pointing here to the directional movement index, which is just another uh, kind of a kind of a trend indicator that shows a, really a confirmation of the MACD, maybe a confirmation of the moving average crossovers we've we have witnessed so far. So again, you know, while I, I'm historically a MACD watcher, it's not the the sole thing that I pay attention to. You've got to pay attention to other indicators that confirm um, some of the you know, the indicators or add your tools to the toolbox and get technical confirmation of, of, about the rally that we've seen, you know, so far. And this is just one of those indicators that does that for us. Yep. So you know, I I would say we've made quite a bit of progress carving out a low, but we're not quite there. To where we can sound the all clear. Um, so, um, you, you know, I don't know if this kind of look at the MACD mark gives you more insight into that question, but, you know, we just haven't seen the surge and the breadth combined yeah. that, you know, we, you know, I follow several technicians, certainly don't, don't purport to be one myself, but, but, you know, what I read is, um, you know, a lot of folks look at percentage of S&P 500 stocks above the 50-day moving average, and we're only at about 77%. We want to get to 90. Right? Yes. That would be one sign that we're kind of, that we can wave the all clear. 
right? Well, and, and, and I, th- I think, you know, oh, I think Jeff and I, you, you, we both said this, actually. I mean, if, if you're going to be an asset allocator in this market, uh, which we all are, I mean, you have to follow fundamentals and, and, and technicals. So um, this weekly MACD is a little bit more interesting to us than just simply the daily because i mean obviously uh the, this shows definitively in the arrow that the market's been under some s- severe pressure for several months now and when you get a you know a bottoming in that pressure and and, and actually the weekly macd has turned positive which is um interesting to us and, and i'm glad you mentioned the breath aspect because that is indeed important while we're getting some of these early indications that this trend could be you know off and running a little bit um we still don't have the breadth in the market that kind of gets you excited and 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 believing that this is going to be a multi-month um process in terms of a continuation of the trend so we haven't gotten that yet but um we're, we're keeping our eyes out for that yeah so progress no doubt has been made but uh we're not, um, yeah, not waving the all clear uh, just yet. Although the, the odds that we actually go back and retest the June lows, it's fair to say, have have fallen given the progress that we've made uh, technically anyway. You know, the fundamentals are a little more challenging because we got, we're going to have to wait a while for inflation to come down, unfortunately. And that's the key driver here. Uh, that's what drives the Fed, of course. We're going to have to wait a while to see whether the Fed actually pauses this year or not. Uh, but the technicals certainly are encouraging. Um, another uh, sort of segment, I guess you could say, of technical analysis is seasonality. And so we're now moving into August. We're recording this on August 1st, late afternoon. And we've got um, you know, a month that is really weak seasonally if it's a midterm year. On average, August is down. It's one of the weaker months uh, on a midterm year. But the good, the good news here is if you look at the... Um, past 10 years, that's the orange bar for those um, watching. You've got, you know, on average, pretty solid returns. Um, I think the average gain uh, is uh, around 0.7% in August over the last decade. That actually ranks pretty good. So, you know, seasonally, maybe you could say um, kind of a mixed signal, uh, but, um, you know, certainly not necessarily a disaster. But you look at September right around the corner, right? That's seasonally the weakest month. Now, the counterpoint to this is in midterm years, you tend to see a bottom in August, right? So even though the, you know, typically you get a weak September, if you average all the midterm year bottoms, uh, it's it's August. So, um, you know, we don't have a lot of political uncertainty heading into this midterm cycle, uh, at least in my view, because it seems like the market is pretty, and the odds makers, uh, have a high degree of confidence that we'll have divided government after the midterms. Maybe that uh, enables stocks to uh, do a little bit better here uh, over the next um, next couple of months. So we'll watch the seasonals, but it's really not, frankly, not a real high conviction signal in either direction right now. Uh, so let's turn to the Fed, Mark. We just had a really good conversation about the Fed earlier today in our investment committee meeting. Um, you know, you could you could hear what you want to hear from Powell. I mean, there are. I mean, some people thought he was dovish. Some people thought he was hawkish. Right. Uh, frankly, my opinion is the market got a little bit too excited about pricing in this this pivot 
right? But it got a little bit of evidence from Powell, and he seems to be a straight shooter, that the next rate hike will probably be smaller, right? He signaled 75. So, I mean, he signaled 50 rather than 75, and the market seemed to like that. Which, which side are you on? Do you, do you think he really sent us a signal that we can really bank on, or, or is it just, you know, people kind of hearing what they want to hear? I, I don't bank on it is the operative uh, phrase. I think Jeff, I mean, I don't know that we were banking on it quite yet. I mean, I, I, and that's kind of why we get together on a weekly basis as an asset allocation committee, right. To talk about those very things. So I, um, I, I, I believe, and we'll see if this actually transpires is, is that I believe that we are going to get, we are going to, we're starting to see some semblance of a directional change in policy and call it a, a slowdown, a stop. And then some are calling for the, the Federal Reserve to get easier with policy in early 2023. So, so there's a, maybe there's a transition between um, the Federal Reserve not being your friend here for the last several months based on tightening policy to becoming a little bit more friendly for risky asset prices over the next, call it, you know, six months or or, or what have you. So, that Powell seemed to signal that that transition may be in some semblance of process. And you know, granted, you know, we've got you know the midterm elections coming up. We've got economic conditions that are still getting a little bit um, more uncertain. But you know, the the eight hundred pound gorilla that drives us often, uh, perhaps too much, is is the Federal Reserve. And and if it's going to change the direction about the way it thinks uh, policy should be prescribed in the U.S. and globally, then then we as asset allocators have to pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, rightly or wrongly, the market took that signal and priced in fewer hikes. So um, what we're showing here, this is a chart from our weekly market commentary that just came out today, uh, where we discussed the Fed and the GDP report and earnings. And you see here over the six weeks from mid-June to the end of July, after the Fed meeting, uh, market took about 60 basis points out of its peak Fed funds rate forecast. This is what's, you know, the bond market is pricing in for the highest Fed funds rate of this cycle. Was looking close to four, uh, now more like 3.3. Um, so that's taken out two and a half hikes. This is a meaningful move. So uh, clearly the market got enough to make this move. Uh, you know, that's more aligned, I think, with where the LPR Research Department thinks the Fed will end up at the end of the year. In other words, maybe three and a quarter, maybe higher, maybe lower, but uh, but four percent seems too high. Uh, and then if you look out to 2023, the market's actually pressing in cuts uh, in uh, in Q1. So that, that may be too quick for cuts, but the, the market took the signal and really, really moved. Um, and you've seen the 10-year come down, the yield, you've seen the two-year yield come down, and that's been supportive uh, for equity prices. So let, let's move forward and talk uh, GDP next mark, recession or no recession. Um, you know, I think this question gets maybe a little bit too much attention uh, right now. I, I think it's a matter of degree, right? Um, a mild recession or a stagnating and flat economy 
is very different than a severe recession, right? And you see in a lot of ways, you know, in terms of what we all feel as consumers uh, and what businesses feel and in terms of uh, how the market responds, right? And so, you know, you'll hear people talk about how the average recession stock market's down, you know, maybe 35%, right? But in mild recessions or mild bull market, uh, in mild bear markets, which is what we think we're in, you typically see, you know, down 20, down 25. We already did down 23 and a half. So we have already essentially, at least in mid-June, priced in a mild recession. So whether we get a mild recession or not, I don't know if that's the most important question. Um, there are a lot of other questions that are going to be key to driving this market, but this one might be getting overplayed. What, what do you think about that, Mark? Yeah, I would agree with that, uh, Jeff. I, I mean, I think, again, we've talked about this, you know, almost at nauseum uh, in, in our committee meetings. But um, the I think the key is, is do you look across the economy, um, particularly in the U.S., but other areas of, of the world and and see a definitive imbalance such that you saw in in housing during the great financial crisis or a long term capital management or a Lehman Brothers um, and, and we're, we're not finding that, um, you know, you, you sometimes it, it sneaks up on you and comes around the corner when you're not expecting it. But overall conditions, we would argue that that don't set up well for that type of a of a surprise. Again, you look at the consumers relatively strong from a balance sheet perspective. I mean, there's been some debt built up in corporate America, but we're not a believer that the 10 year is going to five four percent five percent or beyond um i mean we're here we are today at two six and who would have thought that you know a month ago so um yeah i mean a, a recession a mild recession's probably uh, in the cards as our chief economist jeff roach would tell us um but um i don't think any of us are expecting for it to be um, more definitive um, and and no, nowhere near as rocky as what we saw in the, the great financial crisis, for example. Yeah, that that's certainly uh, good news. So, um, you know, still, you know, the clients, uh, people out there are asking the question, they want to know the answer. Are we can have a recession? Are we in a recession? And so we, we'll answer the question, at least as, how, as we see it, right? And probably the best way to answer that is, uh, by looking at this chart, and this just breaks apart the components of GDP, right? We got the GDP report for Q2 last week, uh, and you break that into pieces, and you can see here, I just want to draw your attention to spending on services, which is in orange, right? In Q2, that was really nicely positive. That is essentially a lot of consumer spending, right? Consumers spend more on services than goods. The services economy is actually bigger than the goods economy. If the services economy is doing so well, the job market is slowing, but it's doing pretty well. And consumer spending is doing pretty well still. Uh, it's really hard to imagine that the economy will meet the definition of recession that the National Bureau of Economic Research has said. They've been the official arbiter of recessions for close to 200 years now, I believe. And they they need to see weakness across multiple sectors. And if yeah. the biggest sector of the economy is strong, even if it's weakening, but still strong, still growing uh, steadily, 
that they're probably not going to declare a recession the first half. Now, we could get one later in the year. We could get one in early 2023, as Jeff Roach tells us. But it is it is highly unlikely that there is enough weakness in terms of the breadth of the economy uh, for us to be in recession already. I think that's a really um, important point uh, to make. So we, th we think there'll be a little bit of a bump up in GDP in Q3 as we get back some of the you know, some of the drag from Q2, you know, we had a big inventory drag, for example, should be able to get some of that back. Uh, we'll have to see, but um, certainly uh, this alone doesn't tell us we're in a uh, recession. So, so Mark, you wanted to highlight leading indicators too as a, uh, another sort of rece recessionary talking point. What is this telling us? Yeah, I mean, and, and this is, Something I, I pay close attention to on a, on a regular basis is, is that it's the slope of a three month moving average of the LEI in blue and the slope of the six month moving average uh, in in orange and uh, and the purpose for this is just to again try to try to monitor directional change in the LEI. I mean, if you look at the chart of the LEI over a period of time, it it, it it's slow moving indicator. Um, so, so this just captures a little bit of that directional change and, and you can see one we, and we've inserted a, a darkened zero line here, uh, when it crosses below zero, it matches historically some recessionary periods, which, which catches your eye in this chart, but what also catches your eye at, at the times that it, it closed below zero, um, on occasions in 96 and 98 and in 2011 and 2016, where um, a recession wasn't present and we were starting to get um, some negative indications from the three months moving average and probably uh, to follow the six months moving average that will give you that same type of a signal. Um, that, uh, you know, a risk of recession is upon us. And, you know, I, I particularly liked your explanation, Jeff, about the breadth of, of the economy. Um, I, I think that makes uh, a, a perfect sense. We haven't gotten a breadth of weakness across this economy. Um, and we, we are getting some, some indications of weakness from the LEI, but we're not, we're not quite there yet in terms of both lines, you know, kind of getting below the zero line. So consequently, the jury's still out in terms of recession. But um, we, we are, if this shows nothing less than, than the following, it, it shows that we're, we're closing in. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's not a strong economy, I mean, clearly. Um, so, you know, we don't want to sort of minimize uh, the, the weakness, you know, the, the slowdown is certainly affecting some people. We're seeing an increase in layoffs. We're seeing higher filings for jobless claims, right? Um, so, you know, it's soft, right? This is why you're, you're hearing the term stagflation uh, from so many folks. But, you know, in terms of our market outlook uh, with the, you know, with the market down, like I said, 23, 24% at the lows, now we've of course bounced and we're, you know, down sort of low teens. Um, we're still pricing in a lot of negativity and, and, and that negativity, right? The stock market climbs a wall of worry uh, that can continue to come off uh, and stocks can still go higher. So important distinction there. Um, so Mark, let's turn to our next topic or really our last topic, which is earnings. And I, I, think, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that corporate America has impressed again, even, yes, though they, 
Yeah, even though the numbers don't look great, and re remember, stocks were up 4% last week when we got 170 S&P 500 companies reporting. Those individual companies that reported were probably, those markets, those stocks were responding as much to earnings as anything else, right? I mean, just look at Amazon, you know, rallied 10% plus on, on its results, and there are many more examples like that. So clearly the market liked it. Clearly expectations were really low. Uh, but here's what's impressive to me. You know, we have a really strong dollar that's clipping international earnings for U.S. multinational companies, taking probably two and a half, three points out, right? We have a slower economy, we just talked about, and we have intense cost pressures that didn't really get much easier in Q2, right? I mean, they got a little bit easier in June, but those cost pressures were pretty intense. And yet, corp, you know, the S&P 500 anyway, was, was able to generate 6% earnings growth so far. You know, we've still got a couple hundred companies left to report, but 6% pretty darn good. That's a couple points of upside. And you can see here on, on uh, this earnings dashboard graphic uh, that we do that the beat rates are pretty good too. 67% for revenue, 72% for earnings. This is a really impressive set of numbers, Mark, for what is a really hard quarter, no doubt. Yeah, I would say so, Jeff. I mean, you kind of listed some of the things that are still positive. You know, consumer spending is, is still relatively positive as people go out and spend on services. Earnings uh, clearly still a positive, and that, and that kind of tells you – that um, you know, even even if we don't kind of continue with this rally, given the base of earnings that we're seeing from S and P five hundred companies and other companies, um, you you know you, you you probably don't have far to fall from an equity market from kind of like you know these levels. So I, I think the, the the market got in front of the concern about the economy, got in front of the concern about a too tight Federal Reserve. Um, got in front of the inflation issue, although we haven't seen inflation from a CPI perspective yet roll over. I, I think we're going to see that. But um, with this this earnings foundation, um, the, the equity market certainly has something to build on. Now, we'll see over the next couple of weeks and months if it wants to continue to build on the early July momentum we've seen. But um, from an earnings perspective, I, I'm I've been surprised at how well corporate America has operated, you know, pandemic, post-pandemic, and and clearly now. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, coming off of last quarter, which I think you could probably argue was like the sixth straight really strong positive surprise, I just gave corporate America the benefit of the doubt, right? I mean, they've impressed uh, for so long now, I just expect it uh, each and every quarter. But that, that doesn't change the fact that estimates have come down, though. Uh, expectations were too high. You know, strategists, analysts, pretty much anybody you talk to expected estimates to come down, and they have, but they haven't come down nearly as much as most anticipated. So, if you look at um, you know the next twelve months number, uh, it's come down a little less than two percent in July. So, not actually that's in line with the long term average. So that's pretty normal in any environment, but in an environment as tough as this. Uh, we'll call that a win. If you're just looking at 2022 estimates, they've just come down a couple dollars, not much, still north of 225, which is our forecast. So I think 
I think this is just resilient, um, you know, S&P 500. Not every company uh, is, you know, holding up, of course. Not all these results were good. Not all these results are well received. But overall, the headline estimates have been very resilient. So this is another positive uh, development. The estimates have come down a little bit more, but, you know, we're through the majority of the earnings. We're not through the majority. We're barely through the majority of the companies. But we're through almost all of the earnings because we're through the really big earning companies. And that's the Apples and the Googles and Facebooks and all those that have already reported Microsoft, et cetera. So um, good news on the earnings front. Um, it's not over yet. We got earnings season continuing this week with another 150 S&P 500 companies reporting. In fact, we basically did all of earnings season in two weeks, except for some banks. Uh, so, you know, we don't see any reason why the trend will will change. So we should still, still get good news uh, from corporate America. We've got the jobs report, and then um, we're going to be watching some developments out of Washington. So um, which of these, Mark, kind of catches your eye that you think um, investors should be paying close attention to? I'll let you pick one, and then I'll, I'll pick one. Well, um, it depends on if we're talking around the water cooler, it's probably the Pelosi trip to Taiwan or the potential um, in terms of. Uh, and so I, I guess I would have to pick the two political topics that you have here, Jeff, is I get see it's the Schumer mansion machinations, if you will, and then the Pelosi Taiwan trip or the potential for that. I mean, I think the jobs report is supposed to be around, you know, 270,000 in non-farm payroll lift in, in July. So we'll see if that, uh, if that actually, you know, comes to pass. I think we've established that, that earnings are, are on a, on a fairly decent trend um, still. So, and not that the, the political angles necessarily going to move the market. I mean, frankly, I, I mean, my, point of contention in terms of assessing this market and i think us as a committee in general just are, are are waiting for that breadth of of um of technical activity that we we mentioned for one um and and actually you'll probably actually actually awaiting the, the july cpi number uh, as as a matter of fact would will probably continue to be a market mover as well as some some fed officials who are supposed to get out there and stand in front of the microphone this week yeah, so um, boy, the the Washington developments are really, really interesting. But you know, since you you picked those, you you cheated. You picked two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll I'll go with the jobs report. I think the jobs report. Well, earnings have kind of lost. I think their ability to really drive this market higher um, at this late stage in earnings season. So I'll I'll go with the jobs report, and, and you know we're going to have to thread a needle, right? We don't want it to be too strong because that can scare the Fed. Uh, but we don't want to be too weak, obviously, because then you're talking about pricing in weaker consumer spending, maybe uh, you know, maybe a little bit more of a recession than we expect. And we certainly don't want to go there. So maybe something in that 200 to 250 range would probably be good uh, with hopefully a pretty calm earnings number within that report, right? The average uh, hourly earnings number that we watch and that the Fed watches. So uh, the job support certainly is important. It's one of the biggest uh, economic reports. And, and because wages are such an important part of the inflation story, you know, for the Fed or for anyone, uh, we really want to watch um, the, the, the job market closely uh, to try to get some better news on inflation. We've already got some good news on inflation. 
with uh, commodity prices coming down, particularly oil uh, and prices at the pump and some other commodities as well. And we've seen some survey data reflect lower inflation expectations. Uh, that is certainly good, uh, but um, we certainly recognize that it's gonna take time for inflation to come down to a comfortable level. Uh, any evidence we can get that that's starting to happen at a more brisk pace would be uh, certainly welcomed by the market. So. Um, so that that would be my choice uh, since since Mark took the the Washington ones. But man, this this Schumer Mansion thing, you know, Senator Cinema could could stop this. Um, it, it it could be a case where they just take out the um, carried interest piece of the legislation, which reportedly she doesn't like. That's a very small piece and is not nearly enough to cause this thing to fall apart. But um, that that one's going to be uh, very interesting to watch, and um, we'll probably end up talking about that. Uh, next week on our next podcast, and maybe for a few after that, uh, we'll we'll have to see. And we're certainly going to revisit the uh, Pelosi Taiwan trip situation, regardless of what happens there, because uh, of how important not only U.S. China relations are, but how important Taiwan is to uh, the global semiconductor uh, supply chain that certainly many U.S. companies rely on. So big, uh, big week or big few weeks uh, ahead of us. So. Mark, any um, any final comments before we bring it home? Well, I mean, uh, nothing nothing definitively uh, on 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 the equity market, other than the fact that we're just kind of keeping an eye on you know the again the threats technically, see if we can kind of continue this rally that we've seen you know so far. I mean, I, I think in general terms, whether it's Federal Reserve talk or whether it's interest rates and whether it's, you know, the expectations around inflation, it seems like the market's coming back to our multi-month line of thinking here at LPL Research. So that's that's always a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're still constructive here. We recognize that we might see a little bit of a pullback uh, after such a strong rally. Uh, you know, the rally is not inconsistent with historical bear market rallies. So certainly there is risk that we pull back um, before the eventual major market low is, is in. Uh, and we'll keep watching the technical indicators to help give us signals there as well as, uh, as, well as the fundamentals. Uh, so uh, with that, um, we'll wrap up. So thank you, Mark, for joining this week. Um, really a good discussion. Boy, it was last week. A crazy week. I mean, we called it an epic week for market watchers, and I think that's that's fair to say. So, um, hopefully, uh, um, you um, all got something out of this podcast, and uh, um, and let's just we'll keep coming back here every week and telling you how we see it. So, with that, uh, thanks again for uh, for listening, and we will talk to you next week on the next edition of LPL Market Signals. Have a great day, everybody. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally 
only regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.